You know, I appreciate every minister of the gospel, every pastor, prophet, teacher, evangelist who has spoken the word or taught the word, every teacher in my life. For the many years that I've served God, I've had many people, uh, different people, men and women of all all different nations, of different cultures, different colors, share something or speak something that impacted my life and touched me, encouraged me along this way. And I'm so grateful and thankful for each of them. And, you know, we need to keep our honor in place when it comes to churches and pastors and leaders who God has placed in our life, even ones who just are there just for a moment to give you a little bit of encouragement, a little strength, to even uh, someone you saw that taught you something and the one thing uh, ministered to you. I remember one time we had a guest speaker at my church when I was just 18, 19, and I was just beginning to speak and preach, and I wasn't trained in preaching. I wasn't trained in, in ministry at that time, how to preach properly, and and I wasn't raised in church, so I had a, a low understanding of history of the church and, and some of the Bible stories. And, and I remember when I would read, especially from the Old Testament, I would be very intimidated by some of the words, some of the names, and I would just, when I tried to pronounce them, I didn't even know if I was doing it right or wrong. I would just slaughter them. It would be horrible. And it was something in my mind that bothered me. It was something in my heart that bothered me. No one knew about it. And this guest speaker, um, what was his name? Dave Dave Duell. Uh, he's passed on with the Lord now. But he came through, and this is, you know, 1989, 1990, somewhere around there. He came through our church, and I remember I went up for prayer. And he just walked up to me and said, you know those words you have a hard time pronouncing when you read the scripture? Don't even worry about it. Don't even think about it. Just say it. And then he just moved on. Well, that one word impacted me all these years later. Every time, I, every time I'm reading in the Old Testament, either to you or in the church service somewhere, and I come across a name or a word that I just quite don't know how it's supposed to sound, I hear that. Don't even worry about it. Just say it and keep going because... What's important is what you're saying, not so much that you can pronounce the name right anyway. Well, I am grateful for him and thankful that God put him in my life for that season. There's men and women and people in your life that you've come along with, and and God sent them there for a season, for a reason, and we want to always honor them and appreciate them, that they allow God to use them at that point that you needed them the most. But also, we grow up too. And we mature. And God's number one teacher for you is never to be a man. His number one encourager for you is never to be a person. His number one mentor, his number one uh, motivator is to be the Holy Spirit in your life. And so as we mature, we come to a place to where the Holy Ghost takes over the primary teacher in our life. Yes, we want to learn from others. But if something someone teaches including myself, doesn't agree with your inner man, with your spirit, it doesn't mean you have to agree with it or take it in or say, oh, I must be wrong. Because you have a teacher of the Holy Spirit and a new nature and an inner man that's alive, that, that knows God and wants to know God deeper. So saying all this because we're going to go into this series on transformation. I believe it's so important. I believe it's so misunderstood in the church and devalued even in the church. And because of that, I think people don't stay in victory or find the victory that's promised in the Word of God. I found that this is probably the most complex 
topic because there's so many opinions about how to serve God. How do you serve God? Once you're born again, what do you do? You know, you have people who say, well, just love God and don't worry about it. You have people say, you need to get perfect today. Change all your clothes, dress right, get rid of your earrings and your long hair or short hair. And, and they start to give you instructions of how to live. There's people who say, well, you got to get busy and serve God right away and help the church. And there's people who say, well, just go and pray. And, and I find that each of these groups, uh, they pick on each other and they fight with each other and, and try to belittle the other person's point. And, and that's not the goal here today. The goal here is not to belittle anyone's point because I want to be clear. I appreciate and honor any man and woman who preaches the word of God of salvation to anybody whose goal and heart is to see people saved and have more of God. I appreciate them and I honor them. But for you personally, you must have a vision of what your life is about. Because ultimately, when you stand before God and he says, well, you know, you were supposed to have accomplished all this in your life, but you didn't. You served your own flesh. Or you didn't do what I asked you to do. Which some people would have face that statement from God. They might try to say, well, my pastor never taught me that. And that is a good argument, but you understand, he didn't just give you a pastor and a teacher and, and an evangelist and a prophet and apostles in your life. He gave you the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God, God himself, to walk with you to comfort you, to guide you and teach you, and to help mentor you, to help lead you into all the wonderful things that God has for you in your calling, in your personal life. That's what the Holy Spirit is for. And I feel that the Holy Spirit in the church as whole has kind of been left out on the side and men replace it. And I don't think this is necessarily intentional by men. I think it comes when you, you realize that if I spend time with the Holy Ghost, it gets very personal with me. And I'd rather have a man prophesy great things over me than to hear the Holy Ghost make me face the things I need to face. Someone might say, you know, I've confessed and believed and prayed for finances. And all I heard from God was get a job. You know, and so I'm going to quit that. I'm going to find another way so I don't have to face myself. So I'm, I want us to be okay with learning some of these things. And growing in the wisdom and knowledge of God. And know that we're not dishonoring people who've helped us when we needed them. I often say, so I look at teachers in my life, in my lifetime, who have poured into me. I found that as I spent time with the Holy Ghost, for many of them, I moved beyond them. Or moved where I no longer allowed them to speak in my life or, or have hands in my life. And that was from the Holy Ghost. And I've always have a pastor that I allow to speak into my life. I always have men and women that I am accountable to who have a right to look into my life and look up the hood, open up the hood and inspect my life and tell me what they think and correct me. I'm open to that and I have people in my life for that reason. And you should have too, people who you're accountable to. But the Holy Ghost, as I've grown, has moved me on and on and on to different kind of groups as I grew who were believing the same. Because it's almost like school. You start in first grade, you're taught first grade information, and second grade and third grade. And when you're in eighth grade or ninth grade or your senior year, twelfth grade, high school, you usually don't have a your first grade teacher come on and, and slip you a note in class saying, Hey, Alan, 
you haven't come and said hi or thank you for the last uh, six years. You know, you owe me because I gave in to you. I poured into you. You know, the one who pays the people who helped you, the one who's responsible to pay and reward the people who helped you is God, not you. You're the lamb. You're the one who God cares for. And so when you get a minister who says, hey, I minister to you now, you need, you owe me. They've seen it wrong. The one who owes them or should reward them, where they need to look is to God. So it's to be clear, you don't owe any man a loyalty or approval or even allow people into your life to speak opinions unless you feel you want them or God has put them there. And there are seasons when you go past and move beyond or move to a different phase of your life where God chooses different people to speak into your life. And, and I want you to be free to move on, but also to always honor and love those men and women and respect them. For they did have a part of God using them to speak into your life and encouraging you. Now with transformation, I'm going to start here in one of our core verses, Romans uh, chapter uh, 12. And we're just going to go back and forth a little bit look at some verses today. And I'm trying to take my time because as we go forward in this series, we're going to get more in detail. But it's important we have the right foundation first before we get into the, the nuts and bolts. I think misunderstanding transformation is the number one reason why the church is not walking in a lot of victory today. Or I can say, is the number one reason I'm not walking in full victory. Number one reason you're not walking in full victory. Verse 1, chapter 12. These two verses are the pinpoint of where you'll find all Christian churches agree or disagree on. So if they preach Jesus' salvation by grace, by faith in Him, they're a good church. No matter what else they teach, as long as they preach that, God bless them. We respect them and honor them, and God bless them. They're bringing people into the kingdom. But where you'll find the conflict or the disagreement is in these two verses. And you can take these two verses and go to every church, and you'll find what they believe is transformation. Because the word transformation, again, the way you see God, that's why it's so important that we pray in tongues. Because when you pray in tongues, the Holy Ghost goes in there and begins to change the image that you have built inside of you about who you are and who God is. And if you don't change that image, when you read this verse, you will translate it into the way you think it is. You'll interpret it by your image. And really, we need to look at Scripture through the eyes of God, the eyes of truth, the Holy Spirit, not through our natural opinion. So here's the two verses, chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So in these two verses, there is a lot of different opinions. And really, I can't preach this, these verses to you outside of my opinion. I'm going to give you scripture and do my best to prove my opinion to you. But many men and women will have different opinions about this verse, and you have to decide for yourself what you think your job is to be reasonable in serving God. So 
the first part of this is to understand why. Why is there a need for transformation? Why do I have to do this? And I'll hear this argument at one point. You know, when I preach, okay, you should, uh, once you're born again, start pursuing holiness and get baptized in the Holy Ghost so you can pray in tongues and you should pray in tongues as much as you can. And don't ever stop praying in tongues. We won't pray in tongues when we're in heaven, so we need to do it while we're on this earth. And there's a reason why God gave it to us, so that the Holy Ghost can teach us and mentor us and build His truth in us. And I'll have some people come to me and say, well, we're, we're already complete in Him. The moment we're saved, we're complete in Him, so all you're doing is adding works. Just receive it. Just walk in it. You already have it. It's the done work. It's done. Walk it out. And I heard that fairly early on in my Christianity. It sounded good. sounded exciting. The problem was I kept running into my struggles. Uh, I'd be strong for a season, and then I'd get wore out. And the problem was that maybe worked when I prayed for people. They'd have me go out and pray for the sick. And I would, and I'd see a lot of good fruit. But then there was always a wall a place where it stopped for me. I always hit someone, a wheelchair, blind person. Someone had some condition that I didn't see the result of healing right then. And that made me not blame God, because it is true. God's already done it all. But it made me think, well, I just don't have the, you know, the strength or the, you know, the boldness. I thought, well, the reason I'm not having people healed because I'm not bold enough. I need to shout louder and do it in the middle of the restaurant. And So I tried things, being bold, and got embarrassed because it didn't make the miracle happen. And in my own life, my own personal life, the secret life that no one knew about, the thoughts and the desires and motivations towards sins, they didn't disappear because I got strong. They got Eventually they got stronger. And so this is why I feel so important to understand why do we have to transform. So let's look at the big picture, and I promise you, if you keep listening to these, at the end of this series, there will be an understanding and a truth in you to know why I need to pray, why I need to do these things. It's not works. You're not offering God your prayer time. Say, God, I prayed four hours in tongues, so now you reward me. It's the fruit that comes forward in your life from you praying in tongues. And transformation is so important. So let's read verse 1 again, chapter 12. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body. So you have to present your body. We skip over this sometimes. Yeah, we, I did, that means I just quit sinning or I, I fight sin. But understand, you have to present your body. This is you presenting your body as a sacrifice, not an offering, a sacrifice. A living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. So holiness is your sacrifice, or getting rid of unholiness is your sacrifice of being a believer. Well, I I try that, but then I fail. I try, and then I fail. I do good for a month, and then I fail. I remember Brother Norville told me one time of a, he said, Alan, there's a pastor of a very, very large church in the country. He didn't tell me who he was. He said he calls me every three years. And he says every three years he gets an itch that rises up to go sin. 
and to uh, commit adultery every three years. And he says, Brother Norville, what do I do? I, I repent and I promise I'll never do it again. And I do great for three years. And then after three years, that desire just seems to rise up and rise up and I give in to it. And uh, he needed a, a vision of transformation of how to root that out of your life, not by your natural man, because you cannot mortify the flesh by the flesh. Always remember that. You can't mortify the flesh by the flesh. So it's our duty, it's our job, our first job as a believer, a reasonable service. It's not asking too much of you. It's not expecting too much of you. Yeah, but you don't know my past. You say that, brother, but you don't have the same past that I do. I had this happen to me as a child, and that happened to me as a child. And and that's why I'm messed up, and so it's not easy for me. You, it's easy for. People are often surprised when they find out that I wasn't raised in church. And then if I go into some of the family history, they're shocked, because we can all share horror stories at some point, of some kind. And uh, we don't want to get into that where we're trying to see who's had the worst past so that we can be the laziest Christian. It doesn't mean the person with the worst past gets to be the laziest Christian. It means the person with the worst past gets the bigger thank you from God, the biggest attaboy, girl from God for overcoming the lies of the flesh. The flesh is flesh, bad and good, of your past. And it's our reasonable service, reasonable for all of us to present it to God as a living sacrifice every day, holy and acceptable, which is our reasonable service. So what does that mean? Present my body a living sacrifice. What, why do I even have to do that? Well, we're going to go over to First Corinthians, and we're going to look in chapter 15. And if you allow me the luxury of just painting the large picture here. Oh, let's start here. I won't get into it too deep today. Let's go over to verse 45. Now here, what Paul is talking about to the Corinthian church is that there is a resurrection. And part of the problem was there was people teaching there was no resurrection. Either they were teaching we die and we disappear, or they were teaching we live forever on this earth and take over the earth. But Paul was very clear that this idea of no resurrection was leading people to live in sin. Because what good is it if we're not resurrected from the dead? So Paul is showing them, telling them how they're resurrected from the dead. Uh, verse 44, we'll start there. It is sown a natural body, it is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. So here Paul is describing something that many in the church don't even know about. That you have a natural body, an outward body, that's made of meat, of dirt, it's carnal. This is the natural man. And, and we all kind of get that idea. And But what the way that most Christians interpret this verse, this type of understanding, is that I have a natural man and it's my job to retrain it, to teach it how to act like a Christian, to quit talking a certain way, to quit thinking a certain way, to quit acting a certain way. And they become discipliners of their outward man, trying to make it look and behave like a Christian. 
But here's an incredible statement. That your body, this outward body, is going to be replaced one day with a spiritual body. We know that God's original design was for man to never sin. God never intended us to see hell. Never intended for man to even see heaven. We are supposed to live forever on in this universe as his children to multiply and God was going to fellowship with all of us for eternity never dying never getting sick never aging past maybe 33 we don't know but never aging you know and no gray hairs no decaying no wrinkles no sickness no disease no sadness no sorrow no no anger or jealousy no murder all of it was to be beautiful pure love in all that God is because that's who we were created by the image of God. But because of the fall of man, things twisted and changed. And now our body that we have is corrupt. It is against God. It is not a part of God. So much so that he's going to get rid of it. God's going to get rid of this body one day. Either when I die, I will step out of my body and go to heaven. Or later on when the trumpet sounds, it will be replaced with a what's called a spiritual body. We like to call it an eternal body. And the eternal body is replacing this meat that I'm wearing right now. I call it the monkey on my back. This meat man, the part that was left over at my salvation. That means, if you understand it, when you were born again, your inner man was born again. But your outward body, this body here, so you have an inner body, Everyone's born with it. Every child has an inner body and an outward body. It's the design that God gave for mankind. And when Adam sinned, the nature of sin went into him and turned him wholly dark. Holy sin. His inner man, his nature, and his outward man. Or his inner body, his nature, and his outward body were all dark. Death, sin. You can try to behave, but you still have a nature of sin. This is why we know that when you go to stand before God, first question is not going to be, give me your list of good works. And so you pull out your list. Now, I want you to see here, God, that my list of good works, I did this, I did that, I did this, is bigger than my list of bad works. And you can try to justify heaven, but the only way you get to heaven is if you have received By faith, the nature of God. That new nature is what qualifies you for heaven. Not your good works. Now, as believers, there will be another judgment where we'll stand before God and we'll reap the reward or the lack of reward by the way we lived in this body. But the first question will be, do you have the nature of God in you? So that old nature of sin turned the whole world dark. You are born with it, but... You were born with an inward body and an outward body. I call them the conjoined twins. They're joined in the the brains, in the heart, and in the feet. Like every part of you is joined. You have desires, and you have thoughts, and you have a will, and you have emotions. And this is your outward man and your inward man. That's who you are. But something amazing happened and incredible happened when you were born again. So important we see this. Because when we see the whole picture, God does not want you to keep this outward body. He is wanting to replace it with an incorruptible body, a body that will not decay, that does not 
want sin, that does not think sin, does not, not think worldly, that does not desire unhealthy things, or even anything, that we're going to receive a new outward body made of a material called spirit, but it'll be like a spiritual flesh, an outward body, and bring us back, the children of God, back to the original design, where we'll have an inner body and an outward body. And they'll be joined together and they'll be in agreement. Now, before you were saved, you were in agreement. Now, the reason I'm getting down to some of the details here is because you need to know this. The church needs to know this. So much of the church in my early experience was, hey, you're saved, you're going to heaven. Now, the way you follow God is you begin to change your habits. Change what you say, see, what you watch on TV. Change what you say. Change what you read, what you listen to. And really, all that was good, but they were talking about conforming, changing my lifestyle. And so all that was, was disciplining my outward man. Well, the Lord has something better for you, and that is to mortify the outward man. Because there will be a day in our future when the trumpet sounds. You won't have a fight with wrong desires. You won't have a fight with, is this God's will? Do I do this? You won't have a fight with any of that because what causes those fights of insecurity, of selfishness, of pride, is your outward body. And so much of the world is trying to train, church world is trying to train the outward body to act like a Christian. But the way we're supposed to do it is through transformation. Transformation is where I go from one species, the Adam species, the family of Adam, and I begin to transform myself to where I am actually living out of the inner man, the nature of Christ, and my inner body. And I mortify the outward man. And so, in other words, God's saying, instead of waiting until you get to heaven to have spiritual joy, you can have it now, but you're going to have to mortify the natural man joy. Many people will say, when the economy is good and their health is good and everything's wonderful, Hey, I have peace. I'm just peaceful. Everything's peaceful. I got money in the bank. I got a new car. My health is good. I have the Lord's peace. And then when the economy falls and they lose their job and there's a health problem, they can't find peace because that peace, although it was peace, it wasn't based from the inner man, from the spiritual man. It was based from their outward man, their natural man, their carnal man. And so they called it peace, and they gave God glory for it. But when all hell broke loose, they couldn't find it anymore because the natural man's peace is not the same as the inner man's peace. This is the joy and peace that Paul had while he's in prison. He One time he was in a, a part called Tullian's Keep, where it's a prison cell, where the bottom of the prison, where all the sewage ran through, was up to his neck. And he got to write a letters from there, and he talks about peace and joy. See, that's godly peace. That's from your inner man. That's a spiritual peace that isn't affected by circumstances. Well, many Christians never get there because they settle for changing their lifestyle instead of transforming into a child of God, who God wants them to be. And so here we're reading that it is sown a natural body, verse 44. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and a spiritual body. This is talking about your, your outward man, that... Right now you're wearing the natural body, and when the trumpet sounds, all the believers will receive a new outward body. 
This one will be transformed and will receive a new outward body that won't fight you. A new brain, new set of emotions, new desires that connect and agree 100% with your inner body, your inner man. So right now you have an inner man and an outward man, an inner body and an outward body. In 1 Corinthians here, we're seeing that he wants to glorify this outward body to where it will be transformed and we will have a new outward body made of spiritual material. And we won't fight anymore with anything because we'll be in agreement as a person completely. It is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last man became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first the natural and afterward the spiritual. In other words, God doesn't create new people. We have to be first be born into the family of Adam before God could rescue us and make us his children. The first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. And this was the man of dust, so also there are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also those who are heavenly. See, Jesus is still alive, and he's still in a body, but he has been glorified. He's in his outward body. He's in this body right now, this body made of spiritual holiness. He's given us that same path where one day we will also be glorified like him. And as we were born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. So we get to follow Jesus' footsteps. He went first so we could follow, including eternity with a peaceful, loving, uh, holy, outward body that doesn't fight us. The point of the gospel for Christians is, You don't have to wait until heaven or until the trumpet sounds to live there. You and I can live there on this earth, a life of godly joy, life of godly peace, long-suffering, kindness. All these are fruits of your inner man growing and maturing in God. Not just mentally deciding, I am holy or I I have joy, I have peace, but transforming, actually transforming. And we're going to get into that word, transforming. It's incredible. It's so, what God did for us at salvation is so incredible. I believe that it took more creative power, more designing power for God to make it possible for us to be children of God for eternity. They did for him to create the whole universe in one word. They did for him to create the whole universe and all the planets and suns and, and everything else. It took more power, more creativity for him to rescue us out of the family of Adam into the family of God. And salvation is just the beginning. There is also a transformation that's available. And I'm telling you, many in the church are not even transforming. They're conforming. They're taking their outward man and they're making it behave. Transformation does not come from your ability to make the outward man behave. Because he's going to get rid of it anyway. So the behavior of your outer man isn't the point. The point is you need to build up your inner man to grow in the knowledge of God so that you can make your outer man submit to the truth and actually you mortify its power to tell you who you are. I don't want to get too... I'm going off course. I want to try to stay course. So just forgive me if I go off course once while preaching. Verse 47. First man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. 
As was a man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as we have been born the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Now I want to pause there. Let's just soak that verse in. Flesh and blood is talking about here, I believe, your outward man. Your natural ability, your natural charisma, your natural skill set, your natural discipline. You know, I heard many times preachers, some preachers say, you know, unless you have the biggest house in the neighborhood, you don't have faith, which is a little contrary to some of the Word of God. But I understand the sentiment that you should be believing for the best and, and don't feel shy about believing for prosperity. But the comment that, you know, hey, if your house isn't the nicest and biggest in the neighborhood, you're not showing off God. You're not walking in faith. And I thought, well, okay, but what about the one who does have the nicest house? He owns a bar and a strip club. Is that because God's blessed him? Or how did he achieve that prosperity? You know, he achieved it through his natural ability. And so much of the church world today is taking natural ability natural accomplishments and giving God the credit for it. And in that, they never allow God to work through them because they're so busy working for God. Hope you get understood that. We want to get to the place where God works through us because that's the only place we'll find the miracles, the revival, the true victory that we're after where instead of doing good for a year or two years or five years and then falling back, into whatever. Instead of going off course, we are staying on course and we get to a place where we don't ever fall back. We don't ever get weary. We don't ever get weary and then find out that we're not as strong as what we thought we were because that is transformation. Again, I'm going to get into transformation, I promise. Not today, but the image today is what's important. Why transformation is important. Why do we even have to do it? God, why didn't you just give it to me? Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, uh, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the devil will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For the corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when the corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, there shall be bought to pass the saying, that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So here is the end for the plan for God's church, for God's children, to end up having victory over death, over sickness, disease, by, at the sound of the trumpet, when everything is complete, we receive a new outward body that we live in forever, and we never get sick, we never age, we never get old again. That's God's plan for His church. And the way that He got us from being of the family of Adam to this point is amazing. It's a miracle. And too many of the church world are not walking in this miracle where they could be walking in it every single day. Now, I'm going to take us back over to Romans. Let me see here. 
I think we'll go to Romans chapter 8. Again, I'm trying my best to lay out the, the full picture. So we know the beginning. You're born of this earth of the family of Adam. And you had, in your birth, as a little baby, cute little baby, I'm sure, you had a nature that came from Adam, a nature of sin that you received from the family of Adam. And because of that nature of sin, your inward body... See, every baby is born with an inward body, a body of the spiritual world. That's why when people are in heaven, they're walking around. They're not just ghosts. They're walking around, and people in in hell are walking around because you never die. Once you're born, you live forever. And so your inner body, which is spiritual, everyone has one. Every baby is born with them. And so you have an inward body and an outward body, and they're connected cell for cell. They're really one. They're meant to be one. One body that is connected to both realms. Let me put it that way. You're born with one body that's connected to both realms, the spiritual realm and the natural realm. That's why Adam could see God, talk to God, fellowship with God, and also look at the cow and the dog and the goats and the lion and the fish at the same time. He was connected to both worlds. And then when he sinned, his nature turned dark, meaning that his whole body, which is the affected by that nature of darkness, became dark. But he was still connected to both realms. But now he was nature was no longer like God. So he was a sinner, a man of sin, because of his nature of sin. So that nature of sin turned his inner man dark and his outward, his whole body dark, both both realms. That's why you can look on TV and find people who are pretend they think they're listening to the devil, but they're really listening to the devils. But there, there's people who are into spiritual things who are not saved, and a lot of it is fake, but a lot of it's real, it's, it's authentic because every human can go into the spiritual realm. If you have a dark nature, you'll go into the dark realm. And if you have a nature of light, you'll go into God's realm. And so every believer can connect to the spiritual realm and is connected by this inner body. And yours, you're not the same, though. Now, what happened when you were born again? See, many of us had questions after we were born again because we were made promises. Hey, you're going to go to heaven. Okay, that's good enough for me. That's all I need to accept Jesus. But the promises of, you know, once you're born again, all your problems are going to leave. You're going to change. Everything's going to be different. And so you go down, you kneel at the altar, you ask Jesus in your heart. And after a couple of weeks, you say, wait a minute, I still have desires for sin. I thought this was taken care of. Why am I having desires for sin when I'm a born again child of God? Why do I still have thoughts? Why do I still, why am I still impacted pressed and pressured by my past? Why is that still affecting me? Why am I still struggling when I know I asked Jesus in my heart? Maybe it didn't work. That's that's one of the thoughts that come. No, it did work. But in this season of your life, God is not able yet until the trumpet sounds to give you a new outward body. So what happened when you were born again was you received a new nature. Okay? So before you were saved, you had a nature of darkness, a body that was connected to both realms, a spiritual side, a spiritual body, that was your inner body connected to the spiritual realm. And you say, 
you know, Brother Adam, why this is so complicated. Why are you talking about all this? It really needs to be talked about because it's in Scripture. It's in Scripture. It's described in Scripture. We should learn this stuff. And it will help you understand why you're being transformed. The fact that people haven't been taught this from day one is puzzling to me. Because it helps you understand why you need to pray. Why you need to seek God. Why you need to press into transformation. Because we don't understand this, we've accepted a shallower version. Not, not correct, but shallow. And so many people are trying to change and conform into Christianity and leaving behind. If you go down the path of conforming into being a Christian, trying to change your habits, and that's all you do, you're going to always be limited. But if you find and discover what I'm saying in transformation, there's no limits. You can overcome anything, anything. For some of us, that's our only hope to overcome things, is a path that will take us to the impossible. You cannot find the impossible in the realm of the possible. You cannot find the miracles, the transformation into pure holiness, into pure love from your outward man. Your outward man is not capable of accepting the true love of God. Your outward man is not capable of understanding the true love of God. But you are. Your inner man is. So when you went up to the altar and asked Jesus into your heart, let me just help you see what happened. You had that old nature. So the way I want you to see yourself, you're standing there. And I know I know the traditional teaching is, I have a body, I am a spirit, and I have a soul. Or I live in a body, I am a spirit, I have a soul. And that's accurate, and that's good. But I want you to see deeper. It's like when I look at a, a wheel on a car. I can say, well, look at that tire. Look at that wheel. There's rubber and there's a hubcap or a hub, a rim made of metal, and there's brakes. That's a a wheel. Oh, yeah, that's a wheel. But if when you go closer to inspect, you'll find that the, the rubber also has a little valve for air, and there's a tube in some of them. And you get a little, so there's more to it than just rubber. Rubber defines it, describes it as a, from a distance. But when you go closer, you find out the rim is metal, but it's got little bolts and nuts in there. I remember when I was in grade, uh, oh, I can't remember, grade 10, 11, they had us take a class on mechanics. It was a very good class. And, and we went in, and the idea was for the, a man to teach young men how to fix cars and how to do that then and i i was oblivious to vehicles i thought i didn't know i thought they were mad you just had no idea that there was actual science to it you know just put gas in the car it runs and so i got to learn a lot of incredible things and one of the projects was taking apart the wheel so we took the wheel off of a car we began to work on the brakes these are the drum brakes and we had to put a, a cloth on the ground because there were so many parts. There were springs, there was cables, there was little screws. And if we didn't put it exactly on the cloth, we would have forgot how to put it back together. That was the test. I was so amazed how many parts were in breaks. So yes, you do live in a body, you are a spirit, and you have a soul. But I want us to look a little closer at the details. And, and forgive me for getting so micro in this, but... It should have been taught to us from day one what actually happens when you're born again. And that would help remove a lot of the confusion and a lot of the guilt that people go through because they don't feel like they're, they're good enough. 
you are good enough. You have access to the Holy Spirit, and you are born again. Your inner man is born again. So here you were, a child of Adam, brought to existence by Adam, by the seed of Adam. And then through your faith in Christ, you received his nature. And that nature, that little part of you, went in, and at the same time, the old nature that you got from Adam came out. And so now you have a new nature from God, righteous as Christ. And you still have an inward body and an outward body. I don't know the details of why God had to do all this. I do understand a little bit, like, you know, if we got born again and he took us right to heaven, you know, that would be quite the altar. Everyone who says, I accept you, Jesus dies, and then they go to heaven. You know, but God needs us here on this earth to accomplish His will to see more people come with us. And if we were to just change our outward man, we'd already be in heaven. So I understand that maybe some of the reasons, but there's the details are just way beyond anything we could ever think. We'll be learning about this for a gazillion years in heaven or with God, and never get to the end of why He had what He did just for us to be born of Him. So then, when I was born again, I asked Jesus in my heart, I received a new nature. And I want you to look at this verse here in Romans chapter 8. Again, this is just an overview. I'm not going too deep on each verse. And I want you to look at verse 10. And if Christ is in you, so that Christ means the new nature. If Christ is in you, the body is dead. The body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So the way I interpret this is that when I have the new nature came into me and I got born again, what happened in that moment was that my outward body, the natural body that's going to be replaced one day that we read in 1 Corinthians uh, just a few minutes ago, that outward body is left dead not dead like a dead animal on the road but left in death darkness the nature the nature used to produce the old nature that you had in you produces sin it produces death so when it says dead it doesn't mean like dead not breathing it means darkness death all of that and so your body did not get rescued by the new nature the new nature did not did not rescue the outward man. The outward man was left alone in salvation. But what did what did get rescued was your inner body. So now your inner body is alive because the new nature brought it to life. And all the knowledge it had gained in darkness was wiped away, and now you can renew it and rebuild that knowledge with spiritual truths from God. So now you have a inner body that is alive in light and life and righteous and connected to it is an outward body that is dark and death and sin. Instantly, the moment you're born again, you're in a battle. I want to give you one more verse for today. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And as I, I'm sharing this, I'm, again, I'm trying to tell you why we need to transform. Transformation is not about getting your outward body to learn who God is. It's about making your outward body 
to mortify the root of it, of the desires, and to make it bow its knee to the inner man. Now we're going to look here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16 and verse 17. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working a far more and exceeding and eternal weight of glory. What this means is you used to have, when you were before you were saved, you were complete. You were exactly who you were. And you had a nature of darkness, an inner body, an inner man that connected to the spiritual realm, and an outward body that connected to the natural realm. And they were connected. They were totally in unity. Your thoughts flowed directly through the spirit, natural man and the spiritual man. But the moment you were saved, that new nature came into you and replaced the old nature. The old nature of sin would put to death, and you received a new nature of light. Now what happened was that new nature, and this is all because God had to do it this way. That's all I can tell you. I can't tell you exactly why. I can just tell you that's all that God could do to get you out of the family of Adam and into the children of God. And so now you have that new nature of righteousness, and it brought to life, brought to light, that righteousness that it oozed and pushed forward righteousness and light into your spiritual man, your inner man, your spiritual body. And now it's alive and light, and it's in your spiritual mind, your spiritual emotions, and your spiritual will are all alive and light and perfect and desiring God, desiring holiness and righteousness. That is who you are. And when you go to heaven, that's who you go to heaven with, you and your inner body. And then eventually what we read is that God will clothe you with a new outward body and then you will be complete. God, God Somehow, God found a way to get you out of the one species, one creature, mankind, and to help you to transform. So in the end, you are, you are still there. He didn't just create a new child of God and then give him your name. You know, this is Alan. He didn't, didn't make you disappear and give your name to a different creature, different person. He found a way, a path for you through salvation. And I want to be clear here that if we never transform, we never grow into the things of God, we never mature, we still qualify for heaven if we have that new nature. But the new nature brought to light your inner man. And somehow God it was able to legally make a path. It's a miracle of miracles to take you out of a species, out of a fallen group of people, out of the human race, and found a way to walk with you by salvation into a new family, the children of God, a whole new species. Not a better species, a different species between a worm and an eagle, like two complete different species. And you're able to transform in the end to where you're standing in the new earth and the new heaven in front of God, righteous and perfect, never getting old, never sinning, never desiring sin again. You're a new creature, complete. Meaning that God somehow found a way to completely remove all of Adam off of you. And you'll stand before God and you'll have only God. You'll only be who God made you. It's, it's such an amazing miracle.
And the most important part of all this is that we don't have to wait until the trumpet to transform. We can walk in all the promises of God through transforming. And so, see, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. See, it's in here. You have an outward man and an inward man. You need to know what that is. I have an outward man, an outward body that was left dead, left dark, left in death. And instantly, the moment I'm born again, I now have a war, a fight that I didn't have before, where my inner man, who's connected to my outer man, they disagree on everything. I have a source of love from my inner man and a source of love from my outer man. But the outer man is, is not good enough. No matter how good it is, it's not good enough. It's a different source. You have a source of thoughts from your inner man, a source of knowledge from your inner man, a source of knowledge from your outward man. Why do you think we have to grow in the knowledge of God? So many Christians have no spiritual knowledge in their inner man, and they've got a big bank of dark knowledge in their outward man. So every problem, their outward man overpowers them. That's why you've got to pray in tongues and read the Word to build up the knowledge in the inner man. So from your inner man, from that position, you can look at the outward man and say, Shut up. I don't listen to you anymore. We're not trying to conform the outward man to behave. We're trying to mortify it, make it shut up, sit down, bow your knee to God to the point that we are so transformed in this world that we're walking all the things of God before we get that new outward body. I'm going to stop there because I can keep preaching, but we're going to do, this is a wonderful series. I'm so excited the Lord has let me do it. And it's very complex, so I appreciate your patience with allowing me just to meander along and try to paint this picture. Once it's in you, you begin scripture will begin to explode when you read it. Oh, that's what that means. That's what that means. That's why I gotta pray in tongues. That's why I've got to not just use my my discipline, but I have to mortify. You it's so amazing. So amazing when you see this picture. Transformation. What is for? Thank you for spending time with me. I appreciate you. God bless you.